What if I told you that after Romancing the Stone and before Jewel of the Nile, there was another sequel where Joan Wilder sailed her boat to Los Angeles, changed her name to Joanne Crane, and became a fashion designer? Mm. Music! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the New World Pictures Podcast, where we talk about every movie released by New World Pictures. I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. On this episode, you're going to refer to me as India Green. <laughs> and Erica. Oh, I'm going to refer to you as so many different things, Mark. Oh, boy. Oh, Mark. Oh, Mark's pick, everybody. Just Mark's pick. Just know that, Mark. <laughs> And in this episode, we're going to talk about a movie that I have always wanted to discuss with my wife and my brother. 1984's <laughs> Crimes of Passion. There are no secrets in the dark. There is no act that cannot be committed. In Women in Love, he crossed forbidden boundaries in altered states. He explored the unknown powers of the mind. Now he explores the most provocative power of all. A woman who lives in two worlds. A man who must lose himself to possess her. They are strangers. They are lovers. They are outlaws. But their crimes are crimes of passion. <laughs> um. <laughs> Crimes of Passion, directed by Ken Russell, who is coming off of 1980's Altered States. Um, this is written by Barry Sandler, who so who, funny that he would he would he would after after Altered States he he'd make a movie that's so much fun. <laughs> I know he's on a real fun streak. Mm. This is this is a fun one, real. This fun. is a fun one. Mm. Yeah, is uh, it? Yeah, this oh. is a fun one. I must have missed all the fun. Um, so, some, might, some might call it a romp. Oh, yeah. I must have missed all the romp. Some might call it a sensual romp. And by that, I mean, that's how Ken Russell says sensual. <laughs> um, I know, I listened to the director's commentary. In any case, this is written by Barry Sandler, who apparently wrote 40 drafts of this before Ken Russell what? ever saw it. And 40? Yeah, the first draft was just the two main characters. By the way, he also wrote All American Murder, which is a movie I recommended during our Vinegar Syndrome Black Friday episode and is terrific and was 
Uh, I found out because of the Arrow Blu-ray for um, Crimes of Passion was going to be uh, potentially directed by Ken Russell. Oh, wow. Uh, until Vestron completely fell apart and then it m- moved and got made years later. I think by a division of TriStar. And okay. anyway, it did not get dire- directed by Ken Russell, but it was going to be at one point in time. Anyway, it also st- it stars Kathleen Turner, uh, who chose this as a counterpoint to Romancing the Stone, uh, which was about to come out. Or a sequel. Or a sequel. T- or a potential <laughs> right. sequel. Well, I mean, it, it was going, she'd already shot it, but it wasn't not out yet at the time of casting. And she wanted this part against the wishes Smart. of her agent. She thought ahead. That's a lot That's of training. Right. And she wanted this part against the wishes of her agent, her manager, and her fiance. And it also stars Anthony Perkins, who was supposed to be a psychiatrist in this, but he requested to change it because he had just played uh, a psychiatrist in Equus on Broadway for two years, Um, which is ironic since the role uh, of Perkins that I was reminded of was Norman Bates, which he had just played in Psycho 2 a year before. Yeah, for the record, I was called him Norman. For the for the record, Anthony, nobody remembers Equus. All right, everybody knows you as Psycho. Right. All right. Everybody yeah. knows you as Norman Bates. So. Well, I think he just asked as a personal favor because he just played a psychiatrist. But I'm like, that's. I mean, it has to be a personal favor because no one is going to put that together. But everyone's going to put Psycho when you together. For sure. Anyway, here's where you can watch this movie. You can rent it just about anywhere on any of the streaming services. There's also an Arrow Blu-ray, which also has the unrated version oh, and Jesus. the director's cut. In fact, oh God! what might be difficult to track down is the theatrical cut that was released by New World Pictures in 1984. That's what's not readily available. You probably would have to find... I'm not even sure if you could get that on VHS, but who knows? Now well, somebody's we have to, got a sweet VHS rip of this somewhere. Somebody has, yeah. Somebody <laughs> has. Um now, if I remember the 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 theatrical cut came in a red VHS box, and the unrated or the director's cut came in a blue box. I might have unrated cut. Unrated cut came out first. Yeah, unrated cut came out. I'm just saying, when you went to the video store, you could pick one of the two. Right. And why would you pick the theatrical cut? That takes out half the fun. Speaking of. Uh, you can tell Mark's a bit of an expert on this film, and yeah. he chose this particular film for to, to watch did. and discuss with his brother and sister-in-law. And mm-hmm. and to that, I just have to ask, why, Mark? Yeah, why? why Crimes of Passion? Why not? Uh, it's a fun movie. Uh, it has a lot of fun characters um, who are doing just crazy things. Sure, uh, you get a stellar, stellar performance from Annie Potts. Playing just her usual fun, wisecracking character. I mean, I I got a lot of um, designing women vibes coming off of the way that she played her role. Uh, There's a great score by Rick Wakeman. I have to interrupt. Uh, I mean, there's so much here to love. Compare designing women to Crimes of Passion. I will ask you kindly, sir, to keep the two separate. (laughs) They may not mingle. How well, dare you, potato, sir? Potato, potato, okay? <laughs> oh, wow. Sensual? Sensual. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I just, um, I hadn't seen it since I was in uh, uh, ninth grade. And I Yikes! thought- Yikes! You first you know, watched kick this off in the year ninth right. grade? Don't worry. I was only, I was like, uh, like a very mature 15. 
Um, but I thought, like, let's kick off 2022 with a bang. Something fun, something that we can all rally around. And I, I, so I, let me, I feel let me ask about you, this Mark. One. Uh, let me ask you, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. What did you remember about this from being 15 when you first saw it? Ooh, that's a really good question, Ryan. I'm glad you asked. Um, I do remember Kathleen Turner's nipples. Yep. Yep. Sure. Uh, Very memorable. I, I do re- I do recall uh, her doing some different fun um, sort of off-Broadway role-playing and I remember yep. the VW Rabbit pickup truck. The rest of it was a little was a little yeah, lost on me. You've blocked it out. So, you've blocked it out. Let me help you fill in the details. You've blocked it out. Because any other 15-year-old well, that would have watched this would be messed up. <laughs> Did it all come flooding I, back to you as you, you know, watched this? Did you <laughs> No. That's the thing that was great. It it was like watching it for the first time all over again. Which really allowed me to just go for the ride. Just, I mean, this movie goes so many places. It's fun. This is a it fun movie. Isn't it? Is not. It's not fun. Well, it's never fun. Again, we we're gonna sensual, sensual. Okay? It's not fun at any point. It's sad oh. and dark and terrible. Okay, what well, sounds like it is time oh, for us to find out what this movie is about. We we if you haven't seen Crimes of Passion, you're seeing two different sides, mm-hmm. two different opinions, oh, let's say. No. Um but uh so let's go around and find out what this movie's about. Mark, uh, we might as well start with you. What's Crimes of Passion about? I I mean uh, it's about a lot of things. It's hard to nail down one thing and that's how how richly textured this movie is. Uh, but I would say it really kind of comes down to four main themes, uh, the camaraderie of college friends and the enduring relationships that that come out of college, uh, sure. effective high personnel management in a small business, um, <laughs> entrepreneurship, oh, no. and the, the, the obsession in the United States uh, with hot tubs in the 80s. Yep. Yep. You had to have a hot tub. <laughs> Yeah, had to and have a hot tub. It and if you didn't, deal. It, it ruins was... families. Right. Well, I, everyone knew that in the 80s. It was like, it was part of the whole uh, nuclear families. You had two kids and a hot tub. That's what you did. Right. Uh, Erica, what's this movie about? This movie is the worst porno I have ever watched. <laughs> it's too long. There's barely any sex. It's not fun because pornos, one of the key elements is fun. Uh, yeah, it, done. Um, so, uh, for me, this movie is, is, is really, it's like two things for one. It's, it's a, it's like a grindhouse pretty woman. Mm. And <laughs> two, it's, <laughs> and, uh, two, it's, it's a story about how a horny guy who was a terrible person finally gets laid. <laughs> <laughs> that I can agree with. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, I can see where you're getting some of those themes. So here's the letterbox synopsis for Crimes of Passion. Joanna Crane lives a double life. A, a fun double life. <laughs> during the day, she works as fashion designer, but during the night, 
She is the high-class prostitute, China Blue. High-class? Oh. I mean, she it's she charges $50. So that's a lot in 1984. Okay. That was like, that's like 10 grand in today's money. <laughs> <laughs> the dollar is just skyrocketed. Um, as she is accused for industrial spying, Bobby Grady is hired to shadow her. Okay. All right. I mean, so far, I feel like we're, we're, this is on point. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's where it takes a small turn in my, in my book. Okay. However, they fall in love. Huh. Uh, I guess. (sighs) I mean, he does, he does leave his wife and he wants to spend time with uh, Joanne and uh, they, they do have a kinship, uh, they do see eye to eye on many things. Um, so, we I mean, uh, are they in love? Maybe, maybe not. Could they sure, become sure. in love? Particularly when he's paying her. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm voting. I'm voting. I'm voting yes. And look, here's the thing. Um, once you get on a TWA flight, you're not going to, you're never going to come down as we've learned. So that's just one of the many stories, little subplots in this movie that you get to enjoy. Sure. Now here's where uh, here's where it goes on. Meanwhile, and I should mention this is the last line. Meanwhile, a psychopathic preacher sto- starts stalking her. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> that's wow. the synopsis. Wow. Psych- I mean, psychopathic. It's not wrong. I don't know. I I I really. Psychopathic, I'm not sure about Misunderstood. that. Misunderstood. I take umbrage with that <laughs> statement. Misun- well, uh, look, any good salesman or account person knows how to tailor their approach to best meet their audience. And I feel like Anthony Perkins' character is like that, like that really fun, the fun minister that like hosts the lock-ins and is like really like fun to hang out with and isn't too pushy. Um, and he like knows how to speak the way you speak, and he's into the things that you're into, and he's like willing right. to kind of like you know be with you on your level, so that you guys can both um, have richer, deeper conversation. First yeah. of all, I don't. I, I'm un- I'm uncomfortable with the amount of times you're saying fun <laughs> about this movie. I'm just gonna put that out there. I'm I'm really uncomfortable. I I. I'm nervous that you're watching porns and being like, these are fun. Like, this is fun, right? Um, I also just want to say, like, he's 100% a psychopath. He is dreaming about murdering her. He is acting out murders on a, on a blow-up doll. He's carrying around a bag of sex toys. He talks about how he would like to F someone to death. He is 100% psychotic. So, I don't know. <laughs> I, I would just say that just to play devil's advocate between you both, I mean, maybe, uh, you know, maybe there's a few ways you could take this movie, but whatever this movie is about, it's definitely bold. And it's so bold that that immediately after watching it, Eric and I split up and we're getting a divorce. So that just, I mean, it's oh, just wow. that bold of a movie. Wow. Well, you know what? She f- Get a hot tub and maybe I'll stay. All right. <laughs> Lock down a hot tub. <laughs> Right? Jesus. Ryan, I've been telling you to drop the fucking magic act for years. It is time. Yeah. 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 You guys. I think what this movie really is about, if I'm going to alter my feelings, it's that magic ruins marriages. (laughs) 
<laughs> you guys haven't seen the updated app. I brought in a lot of things I used to do in college. <laughs> Show it, and it's the really... rings are coming off, and the dissolution of marriage is coming out. It's really improved things. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to. By it. the way, this is a uh, this is a Donald P. Borchers joint, um, who was working <laughs> prolifically with New World at the time, including producing Children of the Corn and Angel. And after this, he produced Tough Turf and Vamp. I think he even wrote co-wrote Vamp. He might have. Does this have that Borchers feeling to you guys? That's a good question. For me, it doesn't. Because a lot of those movies <laughs> okay. you just named, I enjoyed. So. Sure, sure. Mark, does it give you that DPB feeling? It, it does a little. It's like uh, the t- like if Tough Turf was actually Tough Turf, uh, then you'd have Crimes of Passion. So uh, I found Crimes of Passion to be a lot more fun than Tough Turf. So... But I think they're going for the same audience. (laughs) What? Oh, my God. One might argue. Who is the target audience for this movie, Mark? (laughs) It is not people who enjoy Tough Turf. (laughs) Get get Justin on the phone. Get Justin on the phone. (laughs) Justin would agree with me on a lot of these points. (laughs) I don't know about that. It is a good question about who is the target audience of this movie. And uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know. I and- think the, the biggest thing I struggled with the entire time I was watching this movie was this movie felt like, it felt like I was watching someone's play that they invited me to. They're like, hey, 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 come to opening <laughs> night of my play. It's like this edgy, dark, like sexy thriller. And like... Oh my God, you're going to love it. But like sit in the front so you can like really see it, like immerse yourself in the experience and then go and you're like, oh God, all right, fine. I owe me one. Like, look, I, they house sat for me for free. Like I owe them a favor. So you go and, and you it's sit like in a the 10 front. seat house. Yeah, it's a 10 seat house. It's a black box theater. You're sitting in the front. The lights are on you because it's just that small. There's like two rows of seats. And you're watching the worst thing you've ever seen. And there is an actor in it who's very good. And that's Anthony Perkins. And he's very good. And he's acting his ass off. But it doesn't matter because you're watching a dark piece of shit where people are humping each other and you're too close to it. And it's too real. And you're worried that maybe they didn't have a fight choreographer and that they didn't practice it and that people are doing this against their will and there's like some consent issues and it's very uncomfortable and you want to leave an intermission but you know that you can't because you're sitting right in the front and there's nobody else in the audience and it's an opening night thing and they haven't quite gotten into the run they're in their footing and it's also like you really want to support theater because you want that to be an important thing in people's lives and you want to continue people and support and create and there is that one dude and he's such a good actor like what is he doing in this how did he get involved in this is he doing someone a favor what is happening yeah but you finish it and you watch the whole thing you leave and you're like fuck just go get something to drink that was weird that's crimes of passion all right but but when you see your friend after the show you're gonna say that was fun oh my god no you're not no you're not you're gonna be like interesting interesting thought provoking that's what you're gonna say because you're not gonna know what else to say or you're gonna go that one guy that one guy so good the guy who played the psycho, so good. That's and, what you're going to say. And they're going to respond by saying, oh, good. I'm glad you liked it because a lot of people are really turned off by it because 
Um, you know, a guy, you know, basically puts his dick in the audience's face for like at least half an hour. And uh, that seems to make people, you know, people are really prudish and they don't like it because mm-hmm. it's edgy mm-hmm. and it's got tough dialogue. It's uh- tough talk. <laughs> Gritty. That's what you're going to say. Gritty. And then you're Gritty. Gonna just walk away. Gritty talk. Gritty. Yeah, so are, are you saying when you say the 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 dick in Everett's face? Are you talking about when Donnie like puts the the sausage in his pants and puts the mustard on the top? Is that was that the scene oh you're referring my God. to? With, I have an issue with that scene because when they do the close up, you can see that he did get some mustard on his beige pleated pants, and I'm thinking you're never going to get that mustard out of there. That is a permanent part of those pants. <laughs> That was actually a scene I actually enjoyed because I felt like it actually showed some of his personality, which was other lot. Is that he's a shit barbecue guy because he's burning (laughs) the shit out of those burgers. He burnt the living hell out of those burgers. He is. He flips them and they're they're black. They're burnt. I love that that was your takeaway. I'm going like, okay, I get it. He's got like the house and he's got like the barbecue and he's like, that guy's like, not a great host, but you know, whatever. He's like a meeting point for people. Yeah. And he's a shit chef. <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. Also, where are the kids? Where are the where kids? Where are the kids? Where are the kids? Where are the kids? Not in the hot tub. That's for damn sure. <laughs> not in that hot tub because it doesn't fucking exist. <laughs> oh. So, so since we're since since we're already talking about Bobby Grady, uh, we'll talk about him. Is he's played by John Laughlin, who's a relative newcomer. This is essentially one of his first leading role. Was I think this he, his first New World. I think it's his first and only New World. Oh, and he had a one sm- and done smart. Sm- yep, <laughs> he had a small role in an officer and a gentleman in the same year. He got he had a small role in Footloose, but I think it had been shot before this. Mm. And he later had a leading role, or at least a a co leading role. In 1988's Midnight Crossing. Okay. Jeff Bridges almost played this role. Ugh. He was willing to lower his rate from $3 million to $1 million, but it was still too much for New World because the budget was only $3 million. So too how, much money for New World. But How different would this have been if Jeff Bridges wasn't He can't do that because wow. it's a DPB joint. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no from not, DBP. No, no. DBP, no way. DBP is not going to raise the rate. Um, uh, So when we start out, we see Grady in a group therapy session. But I just wondered, what group therapy session? Is this just divorcees bitching about divorcing? And he's there with his buddy. I wondered, like, wow, that's a real solid bro move to be like, yeah, man, I'll go to your group therapy with you. Like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't think I know two dudes. I don't think you two would even go to group therapy together and that kind of support. And Mm -hmm. you're pretty good bros. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought, wow, solid bro move. To show up with your friend, that shows what it does is it establishes, establishes right then that this guy is a loyal friend and he's someone that you want to introduce to other friends. And I think that remains a consistent part of his character throughout this movie. <laughs> yep. He seems like a really great guy. <laughs> when it's all said and it done. starts out, he's a great guy, and he ends as a great guy. 
<laughs> I'm wondering if it's a group therapy session for shitty barbecue chefs. <laughs> <laughs> and his friend was like, no, seriously, you have to come with me to this. <laughs> this- <laughs> Start out talking barbecue, dip into marital issues. <laughs> Uh, um, (laughs) when we meet anthony perkins uh he's his character's name is shane though i mean the last name i mean i don't know it never really comes up but anyway he's in that little jerk off octagon Mm -hmm. and uh he's really (laughs) (laughs) please call it by its formal name Jerk to gone. Yeah. <laughs> Jerk to gone. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. With the with the yeah. with the stripper that doesn't have a high motor. She's not she's not she's tired. No. She's no. not gonna give no. it her all at, at that time. She but, is just like no, I getting yeah. through the night. She's probably <laughs> one of the few characters in this movie I really sympathize with. Oh, I could relate. We all feel that way at the beginning, middle, and end of a shift. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> no matter what your job is, yeah. Plus, yeah. Just get through I, I, it. I thought know? the uh, I thought the the uh, the the roller brush paint tray cum bucket was kind of a nice touch in that octagon. <laughs> oh. Classy, mm. classy. Mm. I mean, I'll give it this. It's effective. Yeah. Probably just easy to clean. I don't know. And what was what was he sniffing? Was that vitamin B? <laughs> Afrin. Was it Afrin? Did he have the sniffles? Was an Afrin popular in 84? <laughs> Just trying to improve his, his body. Yeah. He treats his body like a temple. <laughs> oh. oh, wow. Uh, if he spent as much time, if he spent as much time on that vitamin B as he did on just washing that shirt that he's wearing through the entire movie... <laughs> Oh. Uh, I think I would have liked it no better because that shirt no time. is filthy. That, also, everyone in oh, this movie so is sweating a lot. Like everyone's got a real yeah. wet face. I, I assume mm-hmm. it's just because they filmed it like in September in Los Angeles and it was real hot then. But I mean, everyone's no matter where they are, inside, outside, doesn't matter. They're hot face. They're hot under the collar, Mark, because this is a sexy film. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> A fun, sexy romp. <laughs> oh, gosh. We have to talk about Kathleen Turner. Yeah. I think she's doing a great job in this, but we don't know a lot about her. We meet her in her prostitute persona of China Blue. And uh, then we learn that she's also, by day, works as a fashion designer. But but also sometimes by day as China Blue. So because there is that daytime scene where she gets into the limo. That's well, during the day. N- so yes, that's true. She does it's something not a day right. Night thing. You're she right. Does spend a little, true. You know, maybe an odd PTO or a weekend. That's right. Day. She get she gets picked up by the couple, mm-hmm. and she's mm-hmm. out there during daytime. I might have assumed though that that might be uh, unlike what Mark is saying, where it's September. It would be where it's a little bit more in the summer, and the light doesn't, the sun doesn't go down to more like eight p.m., eight thirty. So she's just out there in Hollywood Boulevard at, in the evening time, but the sun is not yet. Way to suspend your disbelief, friend. <laughs> Very big of you. You would love the stage play of this. I have bought us two more tickets. I will get you front rows. I want to get us in on closing night. <laughs> um, and so she she's accused of uh, industrial spying. It's with the uh, uh, with a movie that has this many plot lines. 
that one is really kind of breezed over very quickly. Yeah. And even the, uh, the, it, it, it even ends, there's even resolution at like halfway through the movie that's resolved. And you're like, Oh, like, yeah, I guess we don't care about that subplot anymore. It was resolved so quickly. I actually missed it. And yeah. I had to ask Ryan if it was resolved. <laughs> yeah. She <laughs> asked me if it's resolved. Now, <laughs> Grady is hired because when you need to hire like someone to to spy for you, you hire the guy who owns an electronics store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, of course. It has, um, as Mark mentioned, that sort of that VW car truck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the rabbit pickup truck, Ryan. They sold it from 1978 to 1982 before they came out with the Rabbit Mark II. It it sticks out like a fucking sore thumb. He looks like a giant standing <laughs> next to it. It looks he, like he's driving a toy car. He yeah. It, that's the magic. The magic is how does that big man fit yeah. in that car? Yeah, that's his magic trick. Where does he put it all? <laughs> 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 yeah. oh. How does he get in with those basketballs tied to his ankles? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, but anyway, how does he work so- the clutch with those things attached? That's got to be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are going to get in the way. He's hired to spy on her. Instantly finds out it's not her because another guy confesses, and then instantly goes and gives her fifty bucks and has sex with her. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> In a variety of different uh, positions. Yeah. Okay. But Ryan, where is this? Where do you? Where are you finding fault in this? <laughs> I'm I mean, just she mentioning was, what she happens. Was trying to find if she was uh, if she was involved with espionage. He was in deep cover, Ryan. Deep cover. <laughs> right. Deep. Deep. But once you stop working, Balls once you stop being a client, <laughs> then it opens up the possibilities. <laughs> right. That's right. It's also like goodbye, second job. That worked out great. Yeah. Took all of his earnings. For, that was hot tub money that he used. All right. I'm super angry at him because that was that was Annie Potts's hot tub money. That's right. And he spent one night working that case. Ugh. And then just that other guy. And he just, blew it. Yeah. Just came. The other guy him. came forward oh, or whatever. They yeah. found out the other guy of with no help from Grady. He did zero yeah. to solve this case. Mm. Uh, and it, what's funny is that to me is like this is this is the suspense part of this movie, right? And it's resolved so fast. Like in a normal movie, this would have been like, "Hey, I'm hiring you. You need a second job. Things are tough at home. You need money for a hot tub. Come in and 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 spy on this woman." And then he spends the second act of the movie spying on this woman. Is she bad? Is she not bad? She's being hunted down by this uh, weird uh, street preacher. Then he ends up, you know, not sure, gets involved with her, doesn't know what's happening, ends up maybe saving her in the end. Like that would that's what this movie could have been and seemingly would have been, particularly in the 90s. If this was made 10 years later, it absolutely would have been this plot. Well, I I will say I was confused when I looked up the IMDb page for this and it categorized the movie as a thriller. And I thought, thriller, "Ah, right. I don't see that. I don't see that at all. At, like any, at, even, nowhere is it a thriller. No, it's probably too fun for a thriller, right, Mark? Well, yeah. I mean, like that cop gets a thrill <laughs> out of having a nightstick shoved up his ass, so that makes it a thriller in its own way, right? <laughs> Yikes! You know what? Can well, I just take back my for previous that? statement? This is this is a thriller. 
can I just say, I'm upset that I had to watch that. But then the major scene where they're so connected and they fall in love and realize they love each other, Grady and Joanna, is just shadow puppets? Really? Gross. <laughs> and in the stage play version I saw, it was marionettes. So double gross. Right? I don't care how theatrical it is. No, but one of the things that's really great about this movie too is it it never it never um it never stops with something really interesting right around the corner like when all of a sudden there's like um like a uh a music video wedding montage just out of the blue that <gasps> sneaks in on the mm-hmm. movie you're, you're thinking mm-hmm. wait what when did sure. how did, how does that apply to anything in the movie yeah it doesn't matter doesn't matter it was yeah. fun wasn't it yeah that birds in the water and the kids and or that girl and I mean, that was fun. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I don't know why it's alert. in the movie. That's but... my favorite scene. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, double spoiler alert. It's also mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Triple spoiler alert. It's also Yay! my favorite scene. Oh, my God. Yay! Oh, my God. It's a triple. <laughs> oh, man. Look at us. Agreeing, oh, boy. Agreeing on things. Um, <laughs> while we're on the, uh, on the subject of, uh, and sort of hinted at the old uh, HP, let's talk about it. Grady has this barbecue. Mm-hmm. We talked about it. He's a shit chef. Mm-hmm. And then he busts out an old college move, yeah. an old college prank. What'd we think of that? Mark, you love this movie so much. <laughs> What'd you think of it? <laughs> uh, I felt if... If there was ever a reason for Annie Potts to leave him, that was the reason. <laughs> Thank you. Because uh, that, that's a Thank joke you. that would yeah. be funny when you're 15, not funny when you're 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I that's when you just start thinking, maybe it's time for me to exit. And my beef, I agree. I 100% agree. Oh, look, look, we're agreeing. We are coming together on this movie. I'm really excited. <laughs> Spoilers. It's making our family stronger. <laughs> That's this movie always was going to do. Uh, Kids, gather round. We're going to watch a movie. It's movie night. Pop some popcorn. Get a quaalude. We're going to watch Crimes of Passion. <laughs> but I totally agree with you, Mark. I Upon seeing that, I was like, yeah, she should leave him. And also, he does that for Annie Potts, and then he lays down, like, he puts all sexy moves on Joanna? Like, what the hell? Where was human penis when she was involved? It's bullshit. Well, it sort of explains maybe why their sex life has sort of become not so active, because this is the guy she's dealing with. Yeah. This is the, like, humor he just cannot help himself but doing. But when I watched the this with the director's commentary... The screener was talking about like, oh, yes, Grady's doing this because he knows it's going to agitate his wife. So he's doing this purposefully to do this. And I was like, I'm I'm not getting that. No. I don't get that. I get that he is doing this regardless of how she feels about it. But I'm not getting that he's like purposely needling her here. In fact, I don't know what his purpose is here. Well, I felt like he was doing it because he's that guy. When his right. friends are around, he's that guy. He has his dumb bits that he always does and he's going to do them. 
no, no matter no what, matter what. his friends love it and he always gets the laugh and it's his thing and his whole personality revolves around it. That's what I got from it. Sure. And I actually, in a weird way, now that I'm saying it out loud, kind of like it because that was his personality when he was with Annie Potts. Sure. He was stuck in that. They had been high school or not high school sweethearts. I think college. Yeah, no, they high were school. high school. Yeah, high school sweethearts. Yeah. So he, he is frozen in that with her. He was never, ever able to go beyond that with her. So, of course, like once she's grown up and moved on and is and yeah. is an adult and accepting of her adultness and her womanhood, he's still frozen in this like, oh, I'm the human penis guy. Like he can't yep. move on. Yeah. But the director's commentary is correct because when they are lying in bed after that, she makes a comment that him doing that was revenge for her calling out that she always hated his magic. So that was him getting back at her. Oh, okay. Which is how a child reacts. Like, I, I oh, you don't, that. you, you, I'm going to do the thing that makes you mad to get a rise out of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which totally. then later Joanna is 100%. completely turned on by when he says, makes the comment about like, every soap is 99% pure. Like, so she's in arrested development too, I think, because she finds his stupid, shitty humor funny. God, I hate this movie, you guys. <laughs> I hated this movie. I hated the stage play that doesn't exist. I hated this fantasy that I've created in my mind that it exists as a stage play. Oh, I, I just, I'm just really bummed that we couldn't have all watched it together. I think that would have been the way to do this. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I think there's still time this year. We no. could do it. Let's when we let's yeah, all get time. together oh, no. soon. We could and and watch this. <laughs> we can squeeze in a. We can squeeze one in before the end of the year. Please don't say squeeze one in. Oh no. <laughs> um you know well we can all admit that grady's maybe not the best husband at least he's a great father (laughs) i don't think we get a chance to see that he's a bad father uh certainly he doesn't hang around his kids very much and he likes to just you know when he does he just likes to come and see them through a chain link fence at school which is you know, it's it's yes. a smart move if you don't yes. want to overcommit to spending time with your kids. Visit them during recess because when they say, "Hey, can we hang out?" You're like, "Ooh, don't you have to be getting to class?" So I'm just saying, like, pro tip: if you don't like your kids much, but you want to say that you visited them, visit them while they're at school. <laughs> pro tip. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Leaving the one employee that you have to constantly run I your know. store. That so man like, was so dedicated. He was there. At <laughs> He no longer has the store was closed. He no longer has this job as a industrial espionage spy, but he's still working the streets. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, buddy, you gotta handle it all. The repairs, the customers. I'll be there quickly when my wife's there just to do a little quick inventory and then I'm out ski. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Also, this this fashion designer office that where he gets hired to be the industrial espionage person. When they resolve who was actually stealing the plans, like, did you get the impression that this company's probably not doing so hot? Because the CEO's office looked real dingy. And I thought, I think you got right. bigger issues than this one employee who's maybe selling some of your ideas. I think you've got, you really need to look at the books and figure out what's going wrong here. Because your desk looks straight up out of goodwill. And look, my desk in my home office is from Goodwill, so I'm not shitting on Goodwill. I'm just saying if he's supposed to be some high fashion mogul, 
this movie is not portraying him that way at all. I mean, he's definitely desperate because he whips out a gun immediately. Immediately. <laughs> and he's like, take true. Take this true. gun mm-hmm. and go get this spy. Mm-hmm. Gun this spy yeah. down. I just want to say from an HR perspective, I was very uncomfortable with how this investigation took place. <laughs> I will say. Yeah, I, we need someone from the outside who yeah. will definitely just take this gun and use it, regardless yeah. of license, mm-hmm. skill, his ability to yeah. handle said weapon. He's an electronics store owner. You don't know what he's what he can do with a gun. Well, what we found out is he he knew how to use his own gun. No. Oh boy, you are just like cutting this movie so much slack. Um. Meanwhile, I guess we're having China Blue slash Joanna have a crisis of conscience. I only say that because we're made to think that by the end, and then that line about the soap is a line that indicates. Grady has gotten to her and has an effect on her and she's starting to feel something outside of this existence. Is that what you guys got from this? I don't get why she needs Grady. She has a sweet apartment. She has a good job. She's a grand piano in her apartment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like she's doing fine. How did they get that piano in that apartment? I though? don't know. Seriously. Seriously. I don't you know. would have to take it Piece by piece and rebuild it inside that apartment. Yeah. No, 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 Ryan. You you get a crane and you lift it through the front window. That's how you get it. And incidentally, it's a mini grand, not a full grand. But, but, did you crunch the numbers on this grand piano? <laughs> but I think I think you guys are you guys are reading too much into this. We've all had jobs that at a certain point we're like, <laughs> I just I'm not I'm not getting I'm not getting what I want out of this job anymore. I like it was fun for a while, but like there's been, you know, like a lot has changed and like some of my coworkers aren't as cool as the ones I used to work with. And you just kind of have that moment where you're like, (laughs) maybe, maybe it's time to start looking for a new job. And I think that's all she's doing is she's just coming to that conclusion. Like this job has run its course. She's not going to get promoted any higher than she is. So she's like, look, this is turning into a dead end for Mm. me. I have to look for a new job now. Mm. So she was just sitting there designing new clothing. And when Marcy came back to her Mm -hmm. nearby desk and said, they fired me. And she's like, fuck, no. Marcy's Mm -hmm. like my best friend here. I guess I'll just be a prostitute at night. (laughs) Well, Some people are private investigators. Some people are (laughs) prostitutes. I need that hot tub. I have to get that hot tub, which they will lift with by a crane and they will bring into my apartment through the windows. Look, (laughs) this is 1984. Uber didn't didn't exist back then. So, but it's the same side hustle. (laughs) It's the exact same. Exact same. Exact same. It's the exact same side hustle. You're still taking people places, I guess. Exactly. You're just (laughs) whoring your car out for Uber. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, the one small difference is God. that your car may, at the end of an evening's work, not, probably won't end up with a VD. And with that, it's time <laughs> for things we love, things we hated. Oh, that's right. We're going to talk about the things we love, I, I like the things said, we hated I like about crimes said, and passion. Probably, 
Probably. There's still a chance. <laughs> Probably. There's still a chance your car could get There's an STD. T- it could happen. <laughs> yep. It, it could. It's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Wow. <laughs> If you quit, if you get your car in that jer- jerktagon, who knows what could happen? Uh, all right, fair enough, let's, fair enough. Okay, let's start, Mark. Let's start with you. What's something that you loved from this movie? Um, I, I'm probably going against you know the 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 normal thought on this one, but to be honest, I really liked Kathleen Turner. I thought <laughs> that, she was that's definitely really trying that's in this movie. <laughs> I thought I thought she was fun. I thought she was complex. I saw <laughs> like there was a there was a little bit of body heat, but also a little bit of romancing the stone, which I I, I think I alluded to earlier. Uh, she's like there's a lot of she's a rich tapestry in this movie, and I thought she did did an excellent job of kind of swinging for the fences at every in every scene. Yeah, no, I, I would agree that I think that there's a lot of really, really good performances in this movie. And it's just unfortunate that they're selling the hell out of it. I just, they don't have things that I can kind of get into the character about. But like Kathleen Turner, Anthony Perkins, they're all selling the hell out of what they have. And the dialogue isn't even particularly terrible. They just, they don't have, I don't, know anything about these these characters that is at all real and a real thing about any of them that I can get into. But they're selling the hell out of what they have, for sure. And I thought Kathleen Turner did do a great job. I think she's really good in this. Yeah, um, great. Anything else, Mark? Uh, n- no, no, I think, I think that's it. <laughs> okay. Erica, something that you loved about Crimes of Passion. Um, I didn't love anything, Ryan, but <laughs> I think what I did love though was, or what I guess it's not, it's not so much that I loved, but what I'm thankful for is thank you for picking this movie now, Mark, because had you picked it any earlier in our new world pictures podcast career, I would have watched it and immediately submitted my two weeks notice <laughs> and resigned on the on the spot um i would have stopped because i'd be like wow these are new world movies i'm out i'm out forever this is terrible and i want nothing more to do with it so you know what i'm, I'm glad that you would have still at least put in two more episodes no really i would have put in two movie. weeks notice <laughs> well that's what i'm saying that doesn't mean i'm doing anything yeah, for two, the two more weeks. episodes <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> would have been just you're like out. i'm out in two yeah. more episodes i'm out Um, And then the two episodes would have been love letters and it would have been (laughs) feathers and I've been right back You would have been like, God damn it. Okay, I'm in. Ah, Fuck, I'm back. Um, All right. For for me, uh, let's, I have to say, let's give it up for Dick Bush. (laughs) And by that, we always do. By that, I mean the appropriately named cinematographer, Dick Bush, who uh, made this movie look at least really good. There's some good cinematography in here. At There's times. some really good yeah. lighting. At, at times, times, it looks times. hilarious. For sure. But there's times this this has some very, I mean, I think it lo- has a good look to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'd also would say I would have to agree with Ken Russell on this. 
some people are very weird about sex. So point made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also. I agree. Um, there's also some good advice in this movie. And for instance, um, if you want to get over a relationship, uh, you just need to put a nightstick up somebody's butt. Mm. And that helps you get beyond it. You know? <laughs> It's it's worked for me at least a couple times. Wow. By the way, that scene was totally cut from the theatrical version. That scene was cut. The silhouettes of them having sex was cut. There's tons of stuff they cut. God, out I of wish movie. I had watched the theatrical version then. Because I'm one of those people who's weird about sex. <laughs> I think for me, it just it felt confusing and I never knew where to land because it felt sure. like again you want me to care about these uh, about kathleen turner's character sure um but in the major but turning how? point in her in her character arc where she meets the man who's quote-unquote saving her it's a shadow like it's it's like shadow puppets on the side like it was hilarious i was laughing i'm like this is they, hilarious they literally have almost no scene together yeah where they're not having sex or talking post-coitus perhaps there's one scene where he's at her door and he's talking about going and having dinner with his wife and kids again and that's when she's like getting mad at him is like i don't blame you leave go back I, see ya you're too good of a guy which i'm like no he's not i mean no, he, he's terrible he's already seen he's you many times and yeah like- he he immediately finished his second career as a as a nighttime private eye and was like, well, here's my fifty dollars. Yeah. I'm gonna go spend it on having sex. He never got his high school sweetheart in a hot tub. Like Yeah. Yeah. Not a good dude. Loser. You always have to get your high school sweetheart in a hot tub. Get your high school sweetheart in a hot tub. God. Um, all right, let's move into things that we hated. Yay. Mark. <laughs> Mark, what is something if you can um what is something you hated? Well, Okay, there are a couple things. I think I already t- mentioned like Shane's dirty shirt really bothered me. Um, it, it just, it, it's just really so dirty. And I'm like, come on, man, you gotta, you gotta take. He's 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 obviously sleeping in a bathroom. You could have washed that in the sink at some point. But um, the other thing uh, that I hated is Rick Wakeman's score. Like it doesn't match the tone of this movie uh, at all. At it's times, awful. it's like really comical and then at times it's dramatic, Mm -hmm. but it seems like the comical stuff is in the dramatic scenes and the dramatic scenes has comical stuff. And you're like, wait, what is happening? And then like sprinkled throughout the movie, we have this little tidbit. is that song and why do they keep repeating it it's it sounds like and i know they made a music video for it and everything they were trying to actually make it rick wakeman was trying to make this into a a hit but it sounds like a joke song and i like the first in the in the uh in the the jerkagon there she's dancing to that song and you're like this is this is funny right like this is the part where we're laughing because we're entering into a fun yeah. film and this is setting the tone. But it, yeah, that song, gosh, what a mess. Uh, so that's, 
There it is. Those are the things I hated. The soundtrack is actually, uh, he was, Rick Wakeman was asked specifically to lift portions of the melodies that are lifted from Dvorak's New World Symphony. And that's what Ken Russell wanted him to use for the score. Why exactly? I don't know. He even talks about it. Ken Russell talks about it in the director's commentary. I don't know why exactly he was so obsessed with the New World Symphony. And of course, they make they talk about how funny it is. They use the New World Symphony in a movie released by New World Pictures. But but I don't know why he wanted to use that. Are you trying to tell me that Dvorak wrote this melody? I'm not sure about that I, particular I, piece. I, but. I got to throw a flag on the field for that comment. I, I'm not sure that I can follow <laughs> you there. That I think he, I think he was, I think he was a couple <laughs> quaaludes deep when he wrote that song and somehow convinced the production company to include it, to sprinkle it. It's played in the barbecue scene. Like they're listening to the song all over mm. the place. And it makes no sense. I feel like it's just a song they got for free and they were like, fuck it, just let's let it ride. It's free. There's a whole interview with Rick Wakeman on the Arrow disc and I, I still don't know if it's explained. I don't know. I, I do have one other thing, not necessarily that I that we I hated, but something I found somewhat annoying. And that is I had the Arrow, I had the Arrow disc also and that's what I watched it on, which is, uh, it looks amazing for sure which is kind of part of the problem because you realize just how much dentistry has improved over the years because there's a lot of people in this movie <laughs> with very big teeth and they are not in great shape and a lot of fillings a lot a lot of fillings brush your teeth folks i mean i think that if any if this movie is saying anything <laughs> it's saying wow saying brush and floss wow I'm it's, pretty sure that wasn't saying the cavity creeps are kind of our cavity creeps are coming to get you. <laughs> That's right, and they're staring at you a through a jerkagon. <laughs> they're just staring at you, dispassionately dancing, waiting to strike. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mark has thrown the flag on the field. And uh, while they're reviewing that in the booth, um, Erica, let's go to something that you hated. I mean, I think I made it pretty clear. I've hated, I hate everything about this movie, but. Um, Except when we see it again next Thanksgiving. Oh, God. I, I think the thing I hated the most was. You know, you talked about liking the cinematography, but I found the cinematography and the lighting in particular very inconsistent and very distracting. Okay. For okay. example, when it's this finally, you know, Grady and, and Annie Potts are having this married couple's finally like real truthful conversation in bed. Right. And the lighting was as if someone had put a flashlight up against a piece of, up against a doily. <laughs> And it right, was like doing right. the shadow of like a flowery lacy doily over them. And then they would occasionally, it was so distracting and so poorly lit. It was attempting to be moonlight, but it's as if the moon was right out their window. Yeah. Like the know? moon was like, hey guys, like it was that McDonald's moon man from the eighties <laughs> who was like, dum, 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 on his piano, like, hey, with his shades and his tuxedo. Um I found it really distracting and not helpful in times like that. And so then it would take me out of the movie. 
And it would make me think again, like, who, who am I supposed to care about here? Like, am I supposed to be happy for Bobby Grady that he, you know, found someone who can deal with all his bullshit? Yeah. Am I supposed to be happy for Joanna that she settled for this fucking tool? I just, I don't, I don't get it. It's just the worst porno I've ever seen. It really was. I don't, I need a think piece. Yeah. The, just the, throw in a higher titty count, <laughs> a little bit less nightstick and I'm in, <laughs> you know, come on. A little less. A little less. <laughs> but a little. A little less. Still I mean, have a little in there. I mean, but... <laughs> absent altogether. Okay. By a little, by a little <laughs> less nightstick, you mean no nightstick. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, I would say the very tail end of the movie is as Grady telling his the same support group that he's now dating Joanna. Yeah, are they happy for him as a support group? Like you did it, good job. I don't know. We don't see any of their reactions. We never really see their reactions. We only hear them, but in the first scene. But in the commentary, the screenwriter um, Barry Sandler, he's saying, "I'm not sure it's going to work out," and and he basically listens to that and goes, "Yeah, I don't know either, but they're going to at least gonna they're going to get a shot." And I'm like, so we've watched this movie to watch a couple that maybe will make it. Let me let me just throw this out there. From what I've seen in this movie, I don't think they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to last long. As I mentioned earlier, they have had really no scene where they've gotten to know each other. The, their biggest get to know you scene was just them having sex in many different mm-hmm. you know, positions. But outside of that, like, do they like the same music? Do they like movies? Like... Are they, she is he going to turn the TV and she's not going to like want to watch a bunch of his magic shows? Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah. Do, is he allowed <laughs> breather? Because that could be an issue, right? You know, right. <laughs> I mean, could be, that could be problematic. Does people, sure, yeah. You know, is maybe? she going to stay up late at night playing that piano? I mean, Who ugh, knows? I don't Who know. Knows? Is she is she going to be willing to put up with a CPAP machine? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which he definitely has. Yeah. He definitely has. <laughs> of course he does. But it's, is she going to keep all of his sports memorabilia, you know? Right, right. For him? His old jersey. Number 11. <laughs> 11, I guess. It's so faded. Um, <laughs> hey, I washed your shitty jersey. <laughs> Stay with me. All right, let's. This is what I hated. Um, I'll just say that I don't think there's really, I think there's only really one likable character. In this movie, and it's the guy working in Grady's shop yes. after hours, who's like just that he won't fire because he's the only good person in this yeah. film. And I forget exactly what he says, but he's like, "You're still here working on this," and he's like, "Yeah, we can't afford to lose a customer." God bless yeah, that he's man. He's the only good guy in this. He doesn't even know what he's doing. He's never going to get that thing fixed. He just doesn't want to lose a customer. And then I thought maybe the kids, but then. That little chain link fence conversation, the kid is clearly trying to say, oh, hey, if mom remarries, I can like make my stepdad's life a living hell, right? Yeah, he's already pushing Yeah, he's like already, I'm just prepping (laughs) to like ruin that guy's life. Yeah. But I would also just say that like listening to the commentary for this, it just really brought clearly into view that like I just had a disconnect with Ken Russell and Barry Sandler on this because listening to them talk about these scenes or watch the scenes and sort of, they would just sort of comment on what's happening and what's going on. And I'm like, they're like filling in blanks. And I'm like, Oh, I didn't see that. You know, like they were discussing their motivations and I was like, Oh, I, I did not take that away from that scene. Um, In fact, uh, Sandler uses words like, obviously this is what they're doing. And this is, and I'm like, Oh, actually that's not obvious to me. I did not get that from watching this movie. 
and in terms of their character motivation and what they're feeling and so on. So, for instance, um, at the end, when Perkins breaks into Kathleen Turner's apartment, Sandler says, it's, "Which what a weak lock! Yeah, a terrible lock! Oh my God, yeah. puny old Anthony Perkins! Oh, yeah, yeah, you do with no, with ease, yeah. with ease. And why was it so hard for Grady to push the door in? Well, he she had opened up the door, but it had that chain lock. So yeah. all he had to break was that chain lock. Still. When it, then the door was closed and locked, so he oh, had to bust but down the he whole was door. super high on Afrin, and it does give you like false. Yeah, exactly. That way. Yeah, he yeah. had such clear sinuses yeah, because all like, that Afrin. He took a deep, full he was just breath. Like, boom! <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> but in that in that scene, Sandler says it's the final confrontation where they rip each other's souls apart. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm like, really? I didn't see that, dude. I'm sorry. I did not see that. I guess I, I didn't see it. See it. I didn't feel it. I didn't get that. I, I, I just, I didn't see the movie yeah. that you see. But again, that was another, to me, very poorly lit scene when they were in that apartment. And I know they're trying to disguise it is purposefully, you know, the ending reveal, yeah. but it was so dark. That it just uh, kind of... I, I'm not going to accept any of your criticism of Dick Bush. So <laughs> you never do. Oh. You never do. Take a note, Ryan. <laughs> this is the scene where we where it's really revealed that uh, he had purchased that Ginsu dildo. That I mean, it could cut through a, a, a beer can and then easily be Tele- used to cut telephone through telephone wire like butter. It t- it'll go right through telephone wire or rope like if you're tied up and you need to be uh right. you need right. to be extricated quickly grab the dildo leave the knife in the drawer grab the dildo because that's what's going to save you and mm-hmm. uh you know i it's, it's kind of a bummer they didn't merchandise that guys it wasn't a dildo you amateurs it was a vibrator come on he was tur- she was turning it off and on he was turning it off and on i don't know you're right. It was. It, you're right. I I misused. I used the wrong term there. Um, I frequently, in my amateur mind, can, can kind of consider consider those synonymous. It also could have just been a back massager, a super oh, sharp one. I'll only know if it's a vibrator or it's a dildo. I can make them disappear the same way. Oh no! You know his magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Here's the thing that I really felt though. I, you know, I read this from Perkins, uh, uh, just looking around at, at, you know, doing research. And I think he said it best when he said that the film had no plot or story, but had great images with nothing to hang them on. And I was like, Mm. that to me pretty much summarizes this movie for me. Yeah. It has a lot of great images. He, He goes further and says there's great characters. He loves the characters that he played. I think they're all putting in great performances with characters that I can't really get into because I just don't feel like I have any way into those characters. And there's some good images, but there's just no story. There's no plot. There's mm-hmm. nothing that really happens here. Anytime we get near a plot, we throw it out and he suddenly, Grady doesn't have a second job anymore and he's just having sex with her. So it's just, it, it just didn't have a story. There just yeah. wasn't a story here. That said, it's time for our favorite scene. I think we all know what our favorite scene is already. Yeah. But it's time to talk about that music video scene that comes out of nowhere because we all loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's really confirmed for me, and I don't know what it confirmed for you guys, but it confirmed for me a theory that I've always had about heterosexual couples, wherein I always feel like men love silverware and women love birds. Yeah. And then ultimately they both die. 
So that's always been how I've seen heterosexual couples. <laughs> and I feel like it's <laughs> that's funny. It <clears throat> the thing that I found funny about that scene too. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, well, thank you, Mark. <laughs> You're welcome. The thing that I found uh, also. Thank is- you for that compliment. Good night, everyone. <laughs> uh, I, the thing that I, I laughed out loud oh. during that scene was there's a scene where, I mean, uh, you kind of hit the, you, you brought this up with what Anthony Perkins' assessment of the movie is. It is really just a bunch of vignettes. Um, it's the, the lighting and everything. It's all made to be very fantastical or make believe or what have you. And that music, this music video that shows up out of nowhere and has is completely inconsequential to a very thin plot. It seems it, at one point there's just a shot of silverware falling into a pool and it's just, it was one of those yeah. moments that you look at it and think as many people are, will, will think that is an amazing shot as equally as many people will be like, I could have done that with a home video camera without even thinking twice. Like, it, like that took no artistic integrity at all to just dump a drawer full of silverware into a pool and film it. But um, I don't know. That's part of what makes this movie fun. And he dived in and grabbed all those silverware in a breath. And he let the bird die. Yeah. Well, he's not interested in the bird. He Jesus. likes the silverware. He likes silverware. Oh. The women she like let birds. the bird die. I did love that scene. It was my favorite scene. <laughs> I loved it until the bird died. And then the child had to skim the dead bird out of the pool. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I thought that was good because they're I'm le- all for chores. They're, yeah, you're letting the girl like get a chore and like learn how to skim the pool, which is important. You know, they need yeah. to start learning that stuff. But you know on. me, I don't. I don't like a bird death. Also, that couple's not going to make it because they again, there's no hot tub. It's just a pool, yep. so they're clearly not going to make yeah. it. They froze to death. They would have lived had it been a hot tub. Also, a little bit of uh, Rick Wakeman was in that scene. He plays the photographer, and I believe it's the two—the little girl and the older woman—I I think are both Ken Russell's kids, if I heard him right on the commentary. Huh. Certainly, the little girl. Um, let's get into final questions. Do you have any guys anything else to say about that scene? Nope. Final questions. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's get into final questions. These are our final questions for Crimes of Passion. Um, guys, how do you think Anthony Perkins's parish is doing? Or does he dip in on Sundays to set things up before he heads back to Hollywood Boulevard? Um, hmm. That's a great question. I mean, was he ever even a real <laughs> reverend? Or was that just like a Halloween costume that he just held on to? He's he's not cleaning that shirt. I'll tell no. you that. So if he does dip out on Sunday, to Mark's point, oof, it's a dirty dip. <laughs> if he's dipping, I think I think I'm less I'm less concerned about his his congregation uh, because he I, I think that they're probably doing well. I think that he him trying to set up a weekend lock in <laughs> at a brothel was has has some flaws, and I think that's that's <laughs> problematic. I. I I give him a lot of credit for trying it's to think outside the box, but it's a it's a little problematic. I love that that's your example, but but you still think the congregation you're you're satisfied that they're doing good. 
They're like, Reverend Patrick Shane. I'm sure they're fine. They're definitely fine. The congregation's great. He's a little unorthodox. He's a little unorthodox. He's a little dirty. Don't check his handbag. But you know what? I love him. Yeah. But like everyone, I mean, all the people that come to his his church to hear him speak every week are like, they're doing fine. Yeah. (laughs) He looked at this man for advice. Never better. Um, when um, Grady is filming Kathleen Turner and Anthony Perkins from his, you know, mini truck, where did he put the microphone to get such perfect audio in his camera? <laughs> oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you got to talk to Dick Bush I just Bush imagine he that. also had like a long boom mic. Because that audio, well, Dick Bush doesn't do the audio. He just sets up the lights and films the scene. But my God, I mean, he's, Amazing film- audio. he's, he's filming oh, okay. a video right. camera that's on his shoulder. <laughs> and the audio is absolutely perfect. Like, yeah. where is he hanging those mics? Yeah. Did he love up both Anthony Perkins and <laughs> Kathleen Turner without their knowing? That's how good he is. That's how he got the job. Because he's an electronics guy, yeah. right? All right. Well, back to that barbecue scene. Uh, Grady's best friend Hopper, who is played by Bruce Davidson, and is o- o- Grady only I think looks decent in this movie because Hopper is a even bigger dick yeah. than Grady. But in any case, Bruce Davidson in that scene does he not know how to take a picture? Take the fucking picture, <laughs> man. Take the picture, dude. My lord, you got like three different. We had like three different poses. Mm-hmm. But arguably, all those friends don't know how to pose for a picture. Because they all have the worst poses. Yeah. Even Annie Potts is like, I don't know. What what do I do with my arms? I don't know what to do. And yeah. so I, I can- She had her hand out as if she was asking for money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So I think they're just new to pictures. <laughs> We're, we've sort of touched on this a little bit with Kathleen Turner's character of Joanna. But like, uh, d- does fashion designing not pay well? I think it pays amazing. She has a great piano. Well, but apartment. she has to have a second job as a prostitute. But don't you feel like she's mini grand charging? <laughs> mini truck, mini grand. That's right. Um, I felt like it, she wasn't in it for the money. She was in it for the cosplay. Maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. We don't really get an idea of why she's into it. We she don't only ever... seem to have one wig and one blue dress, so she was thrifty, I guess. Yeah, well, but she had all those little other outfits that she could change into. But I, I agree with you, Erica. She's not doing it because she needs the money. She's doing it because she wants to. Because at one point, she uh, the, the guy pays her 10 bucks for her panties, and she puts a, uh, her gum in it and throws it away. So she's like, the yeah, money is not the hook here. Away. This is just something that she wants to do. Mm. Yeah. Fair. So after this film... Regardless of whether or not Joanna and, and Bobby Grady really succeed as a couple, does he become a full-time industrial espionage investigator? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, he he ends up selling his shop to a radio shack, <laughs> and then they promptly go out of business 15 minutes later. And at this point, he's, uh, he's working at uh, a Cinnabon. <laughs> and they can... You know, I had it pretty good with that Annie Potts back then. I, I really shouldn't have screwed that one up. So I think that's what's happening right now. Yeah, I feel like he's working at the Cinnabon, but he's going like, you should see how hot my girlfriend is. And everybody's like, that's not your yeah, girlfriend, dude. Yeah, like, dude. Get, get I don't right. know. No, no, no. She's my girlfriend. Like, we hooked up. Like, no, no, no. She's like a fashion designer. Like, no, no, it's legit. And they're like, yeah. okay, man. 
Yeah, because eventually, like, if you do make money, dude, 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 head, head, throw me, throw me those two basketballs. Hold on, I gotta show you something. Hold on, hold on, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> Gets fired immediately at work at Cinnabon for doing human penis at work. That is the fifth time I've been fired for doing that one. Oh man, <laughs> I just thought all the Cinnabon frosting would have really been the icing on the cake. <laughs> I mean, to that end, as I've said, they never have a scene where they actually talk to each other. Imagine when he tries to like hobnob with her fashion design friends. Right. And he owns a Cinnabon or whatever, or he manages a Cinnabon. Yeah. And they're like, how did you two meet? And he's like, oh, I paid her 50 bucks to like, you know, pretend shadow puppet me. (laughs) Ding dong. All right. Let's quickly go through some very quick and brief research. This, of course, was financed uh, by New World's head of production, Jonathan Axelrod. Uh, and it's 1984, so this is really in the transition between the Corman era and the new era who, uh, with the owners that bought it from him. So according to writer Barry Sandler, um, Jonathan Axelrod wanted to take New World in a more, quote, sophisticated oh, God. direction. Um, they co-financed this film with Orion, and it had a budget of $3 million. So apparently $1.5 each. That's just a guess. And I say this as prelude to, to, to say that uh, Crimes of Passion was released in October 1984, after Chud in August, Body Rock in September, and then followed by Night Patrol in November and Tough Turf and Avenging Angel in January 1985. So... Was this a mission that only Jonathan Axelrod was on? Mm. <laughs> because I'm waiting for some sophisticated movies to mm. to show up. Avenging Angel, not sophisticated. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry, Mark. Body Rock, which we'll get to, very sophisticated. <laughs> they had to cut the film down a lot to get to the R rating, and it took a lot of edits to get there. Uh, I mentioned a few things that they had already, that they had cut out. I mean, they had to keep going back and forth to the, you know, the MPAA and Sandler said in a, in an interview that I read of him with, uh, Stardust, I believe he said of those scenes that, uh, he said, I remember that at the time there was a lot of promotion and publicity about the film getting an X rating, but no matter how many times Ken took it back and recut it. The studio still said, no, it's got to be an R. The head of the ratings board actually called me because I was also the producer and said, look, you should get your studio to release it as an X and re-legitimize the X rating. Years before The Devils, which I believe is another Ken Russell movie, was an X and A Clockwork Orange and Midnight Cowboy. And those were considered respectable adult films. But in the intervening years... The X had taken on the connotation of pornography with pornographic theaters and triple X ratings and all that, which this film isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Until the movie Triple X came out starring Vin Diesel. And then it took a real, like, sophisticated turn. But Jack's a And so nobody wanted to touch the X rating. But because we had Ken Russell and Kathleen Turner and Tony in a legitimate film, they thought we could re legitimize the X rating. But the studio didn't want to hear it. So they made us cut the film and release it as an R. So we were pretty upset by that. And New World was excited because there was so much publicity about it. And I said, don't get excited because it comes out as an R. If it comes out as an R, people are going to say, well, it's a cut version. It's going to be a watered down version. And I was right. 
But on the other hand, when the film came out, came out on video, they released it in the unrated version and it did very well in video and then on laser and then finally on DVD. So New World was like, sweet, all this sweet publicity. This movie's going to kill. And uh, it didn't kill I, I, until I think it was on home video. Things we loved your New World voice. <laughs> hey, all right. We're New World. We're going to kill you. We're going to kill it at the box office. Your movies. They're just morning DJs that took that bought a, a, a movie studio. Also, uh, a couple years after this, Ken Russell actually sued New World, seeking a million dollars in damages because he had agreed to uh, get paid basically half a million dollars and 20% of the profits. The movie barely made back his budget. Uh, I don't think it, it was just, just below his budget. So I'm not sure about that. But with video, who knows? But eventually, he admitted that uh, it wasn't worth it because he eventually received a payout um, but after his lawyers and his agent and everything took their cut that he said it wasn't worth it. So that's a little bit about how things worked out with new world and crimes of passion. Mm-mm-mm. That's mm. been it. That's been our episode about crimes of passion. 2022 is kicking off with a bang and I am thrilled that's- to uh, have helped set this year on its, on the right path. And I'm excited to continue watching these fun, interesting movies, artistic movies, serious movies with both of you. I can't wait for us to watch this next Thanksgiving. Ah, 2022, (laughs) y'all. Yeah, I mean. It's going to be friggin' great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to watch more of these sophisticated films. Yeah, these sensual friggin' (laughs) films. Um, for the whole family sensual films for the whole family Mm -hmm. Uh, basically thank you for watching it though technically you owe each of us $50 (laughs) 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 we appreciate you guys listening please rate and review and subscribe and here's a new thing if you're listening to this on Spotify you actually can do a rating for the podcast, if you've listened to this or listened to us on, on Spotify, you can rate us. You can give us a five-star review uh, on Spotify. So if you get a chance, do that. It's like literally just a click and you click on five stars and that's it's as simple as that. If, if not, don't worry about it. Just come back for our next episode and we'll see you next time here or hear you next or we won't see you. We'll see each other next time in another episode of the New World Pictures podcast. Bye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>